gospel. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to do this you're called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Uh, thanks, Christine. Well, this is a big question. How do we communicate real truth in a postmodern fake news, you do you world? Because as Christians, we care about the truth, right? We care about the truth of God's existence, whether he exists or not. We care about the truth of God's word, the Bible that we've just heard read. Uh, we care about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And we care about morality and justice. Uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, many of the big names in science throughout history have been Christians who care about the truth of the universe, the nature of stuff. They were curious to find out about uh, the truth of the universe, the nature of reality, and they, they then wanted to communicate that to the rest of the scientific community. Uh, one of the things that uh, propelled me into a pursuit of the truth was having a terrible year nine science teacher. <laughs> the worst teacher I ever had was my year nine science teacher. 
we were learning about uh, atoms and uh, protons, neutrons, electrons, and uh, I was curious to know more. Like, this was fascinating stuff. Like, really? That's, that's the nature of, like, the universe? And I wanted to know more. I asked some follow-up questions, uh, to which my Year 9 science teacher had no idea. Uh, no idea at all. He, he was just following the textbook, and I was asking questions beyond the textbook. So, like, he had, he had nothing. He wanted to shut down my questions. And uh, I found that really disappointing and frustrating. But it actually happened to propel me internally, I was propelled to find the answers for myself. So I, I ended up doing some of the best learning I'd ever done because I was self-motivated uh, in this frustration. I suddenly cared about the truth. And something about that moment has, has stuck with me. So uh, it's nice to know that poor teaching moments can have positive outcomes. It's probably not a model to uh, uphold and uh, live towards. But generally, teachers care about the truth. They, they teach the truth to students. Parents care about raising children to live in the true world that they are going to have to be adults in. Lawyers, health professionals, financial experts, engineers, they all care about the truth. And for all of us as Christians, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. So how is it that in our current society that truth is a little bit optional now? How is truth even a bit of a joke? How is it the truth is different for different people? Uh, we have normalized phrases like, that's true for you. You know, this is true for me, but that's true for you. And that wonderful phrase, you do you. <laughs> you do you. Um, I actually used to think it was really funny to say that, you know, 67.3% of all statistics are made up on the spot. Um, I'm not sure it's so funny anymore. Like, it's got a, it's got a bit of a ugh, sad edge to things like that. Uh, the latest toy to play with is uh, a website online, crayon.com, C-R-A-I-Y-O-N.com, crayon.com. Um, it's spelt with an AI because it uses artificial intelligence. So you type into this crayon.com a, a phrase, some words of a picture that you would like it to generate. And the artificial intelligence has gone out and it's analyzed every Im image on the internet, come to understand words and pictures, and then it will automatically generate for you, based on the words that you've put in, its own image, its own sketch of uh, what it thinks uh, you've, you've asked it to do. So um, naturally, I told the Oak Tree staff about this, very important things for um, them all to know. And um, uh, Jess went and typed into crayon.com uh, chicken playground, because we have chickens and we have a playground. You know, what, would, what does artificial intelligence think of chicken playground? Well, it came back with this. <coughs> I'm not sh quite sure where the slide is going, or if that's a slide, or, oh, but that's pretty impressive. 
that now a computer can go, I know what a chicken looks like, I know what a playground looks like, and I can blend those things together. That's, that's impressive, but it's also a little bit scary, because that image doesn't exist anywhere other than a computer just generating it. But what else can get created? Like, we can just create reality. A computer can go and create reality. Our digital age actually calls into question our access to the truth. So it's very easy for fake news to go around. We can be stuck in echo chambers. Uh, celebrities with huge influence or lots of money can buy their reach and uh, they can speak on topics that they're not experts in. They can just say stuff. But because they have an audience, people will listen. Uh, let's have a look at just how challenging it is to communicate. So, uh, say that we've got here uh, Jack and Jill. Uh, Jill knows that they need to go up the hill, and uh, at the top of the hill there's some water, perhaps it's the water of life, uh, and it's the streams of living water, but uh, Jack is uh, not so sure, he's worried about tumbling down that hill and uh, all of the brown paper and vinegar that it will involve afterwards. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, perhaps there's someone like Jill who wants to have a spiritual conversation with Jack about the amazing life-giving truth of Jesus. Jill has had the, the Romans 5.5 love of God poured into her heart and she wants to share that with Jack. How does she share truth? One big problem so if we uh, visualize that with you know, the, the truth of what she wants to share as a blue line, um, one big problem is the English language. So the, there's how Jill actually uses words in English, but then there's how Jack actually understands those words for himself. The English language is really quite confusing. Miscommunication is easy. Add to that, we've got Christian language, can be another problem. Uh, we have special words and phrases that we use within the church, I call this sometimes Christianese, uh, words that we might understand, but no one outside of the church understands for themselves. We've got uh, culture and uh, social media going on and the things that that influences for us. We've got gender roles and who we are in society. Uh, we've got stress and pressure. We might have illness. We might have brain fog. You know, Jack might have had a bit of bad bacon for breakfast. I don't know. Like, that, that stuff plays, plays a part in communication. Every conversation we have with another person, their biology is a part of that too. There's power dynamics, there's past hurts, there's personality clash, there's family of origin differences. You know, we just come from different families where we understand things differently. And then of course, uh, we have uh, brokenness, sinfulness, temptation, ego, evil. There is a spiritual dynamic going on under all of this stuff with the powers and authorities. We have fear, we have insecurity, and we have shame. All of this stuff is going on when we're wanting to communicate simple truth. It's not so simple. And of course, you can probably add your own complications to that list of barriers and difficulties when it comes to having a spiritual conversation about the truth. 
I mean, when you look at all that, when you think of all that, it's a, it's a miracle <laughs> that we can communicate at all. When you think about everything going on, it's a miracle that we can share truth. And perhaps uh, looking at all of this at once, uh, we can start to understand why we're all really good at saying, hi, how are you? And we get back, good thanks, mate, how are you? And how easy it is to just stay surface level and comfortable and polite. Unfortunately, there's not much salt and light in that. <clears throat> but if we're wanting to communicate something spiritual, some powerful truth, often what we are trying to say uh, generally is, here, look at my heart. You can have that too. Come follow the way of Jesus. Generally, a spiritual conversation, sharing the truth uh, by its nature can be described broadly like that. Here, look at my heart. There's, there's something inside me that has happened, something significant, some journey, inner journey that I've gone on in the world. And we're saying, you can have that too. There's an offer there and an invitation to come follow the way of Jesus. So the most basic thing human beings do together is communicate. Now, language helps form and maintain relationships. And Jesus in the scriptures, he had deep conversations with people, heart conversations. Uh, he spoke the truth to the religious leaders. He spoke the truth graciously to sinners. And he responded to all those who approached him. Now, sometimes he told anecdotes, funny stories, uh, powerful, meaningful stories like the parables. Um, if, you, if you want to know how to communicate truth powerfully so that people hear and are transformed, then study the parables. They're a masterclass in communicating truth in a way that people hear. Also, that some people don't hear. Uh, but most of those parables are really simple stories with a twist or a sting in the tail that highlights truth. Uh, but mostly a conversation... A meaningful conversation is a delicate exchange of vulnerability. If we're talking about actually sharing spiritual truth, what's happening in our hearts, it's actually a delicate exchange of vulnerability. When a topic of conversation is inflamed or angry, so some of the hot topics in society at the moment, and uh, I'm not going to name them because I'm sure we've had enough of uh, talking about some of these things. But the things that ruin Christmas, the things that uh, make families really struggle getting together, the, the things that are really hard for any community to find unity on, you know, when they're inflamed, when they're angry, that's when all these defense mechanisms come up. That's when all of these barriers really come into force. And when they're up... How, how, do, how do we have a heart conversation? No one wants to expose their heart. No one wants to put their heart on the line when that is going on. It takes courage. It takes real courage. If, if you want to make a start here, it's, it's about peeling away those layers of protection. 
It's offering up a vulnerable story about your heart and maybe you'll get squashed, maybe you'll get shut down, maybe you'll get ruined in the process, but that's the only way through to someone's heart. So we can have hard hearts where nothing goes in and nothing comes out, or we can have soft hearts. Uh, Soft hearts use words like, I need, I'm sad about, I worry about, I wish, I like, I enjoy, it upsets me when, I find joy in. And hard hearts tend to say, you always, this is how it is, you can't. There's very different words that tend to come out of soft hearts and hard hearts. But sometimes when we show some vulnerability, when we show a soft heart, it does get reciprocated. And sometimes you get this little balance, backwards and forwards, uh, where uh, one person can share some vulnerability and the other person reciprocates with a little bit and then you can share some more vulnerability and someone else reciprocates. That's how friendship forms. A gentle sharing of vulnerability through life. It produces a sense of I trust you It leads to a sense of I trust you with my heart, which can lead you to I trust you with my heart when you talk about Jesus. You know, when people can see that you are genuine, authentic, that you're not putting on a show or a program or a facade. So, if we have a problem communicating truth, if truth is hard to communicate, it is most likely a problem of the human heart. A truth problem is a problem of the human heart. Blaise Pascal said, the heart has its reasons which reason knows nothing of. We know the truth not only by reason but by the heart. We know truth not just by reason but by the heart. So to grow effectively in communicating truth You need to become a student of three areas, God's heart, your heart, and the hearts of others. Become a student of God's heart, your heart, and the hearts of others. And the good news is that none of those barriers, uh, none of those problems are an obstacle to the power of Jesus. Uh, It's very easy for us to see all the difficulties in communication and truth and fake news and to use them as excuses and to tap out. But these are actually opportunities for God to show his strength and his love through our weakness and uh, for the Holy Spirit to blow through us in amazing ways. Uh, So we can, we can be students of God's heart, our own hearts and other people's hearts. So, becoming a student of God's heart, simply know God's story. Just know the story of God. He reveals His truth uh, amazingly through the Scriptures. So, study the Scriptures, but do it through the lens of where is God's heart here? Who is he? What, what is he? what is He up to and what does He care about? So activate your knowledge of the Bible and own it for yourself. That that involves wrestling with some big questions. I know you will have other people around you who will question things in the Bible, question things about God. 
live with those questions, sit with those questions. And as you're reading through scriptures, as you're coming here on a Sunday and listening to sermons, as we're going through scripture, bring those questions, those big, hard questions that people have and bring them and sit with them and see what kind of responses we see from God's heart. So wrestle with the questions that other people are wrestling with. Uh, read with doubts in mind. What doubts do they have? What, what doubts do you have? What, what difficulties and challenges do you have? So read the scriptures. Listen in with those things in mind. Uh, what kind of defense mechanisms do people put up? And be, so be aware of those things. And, uh, and I think uh, try and be aware of, of story connections. So yes, know the scriptures and God's heart, but have a look at how that connects now. So always keep an eye out for story connections. Erin uh, and I were watching something on a, there was a New Zealand study. Uh, it's a, it's a long-term study, 40 years, I think, it's probably more than that now, uh, that they have tracked the, um, the health and progress of a bunch of people in New Zealand. And uh, so they've looked at, you know, some people have ended up in prison, other people have been rich and incredibly, you know, successful in terms of their measures. Um, and so they're looking at a whole range of things. And it, it struck me that they're, they're, one, they're one big indicator. The thing that stuck out to them in their long-term research was the impact of self-control. So they, they kind of came up in this study that the one thing that defined whether you have success in life is your ability to display self-control. And so I'm like, okay, where does that sit with the scriptures? Well, you, like the Garden of Eden, it goes right, like Christians, the Judeo-Christian worldview, we've known this forever. We don't need a, like it's great to have a scientific study that backs it up, but we've known that self-control is a problem. And yet we have something even more than that. We're not kind of doomed and failed by our sense of self-control because we have forgiveness when we fail to start again and learn and grow. So keep, keep an eye as you're watching things. Don't just, you know, turn on the TV and just kind of zone out. Where, you know, where's the story connection here? What are we learning along the way? And of course, know about uh, good stories of Christians throughout history. You know, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Tim Costello, like who are the respectable Christians around that are in the public sphere um, that we can refer to and know their good work, how they've dealt with problems, any charities, etc., that they've started. Uh, so that's become a student of God's heart and how that has worked through history. Become a student of yourself. Know your own soul story. Know your own vulnerabilities. Know your own uh, coming to faith and how that actually occurred. What is that process of you coming to know the truth? So there's the truth, but there's also the process of how you even arrived at that. How were you kind of exposed to the truth? Pretty much always, there are other significant people involved. So for me, I can name those people. Uh, one of those people for me was a guy, is, is a guy named Rowan. He, don't, he didn't just tell me about truth. What struck me and what sat with me and still sits with me today about Rowan is his approach to the truth. 
the way that he explores questions. He, he takes note of the things that I'm saying and asking. And he asks follow-up questions. He's curious about and cares about what I think and feel. So it's not so much what he taught, but his posture, the way that he would learn about people and places and stories. And I think this is where our reading, 1 Peter 3, is so important. So you might have heard there in verse 15, uh, there's the encouragement for us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Long sentence to say, be ready to share your faith and why you are a believer. Every Christian should be ready. And uh, sharing truth is part of that. We should be ready with the truth. We should know our stuff. But in fact, that's the easy part. That little bit in verse 15 is the easy part. The hard part is everything else in the chapter that goes around it. And that's why I wanted to read the whole section. It's the stuff that goes around it that's the hard part. It's the stuff about our attitude, so not just what we say, it's about our attitude, our tone, our posture, and our presentation. So there's, there's sharing the truth that God loves you. But then there's sharing that truth effectively, and so much of that comes down to whether you're some of these things that come straight out of 1 Peter 3. So we heard about being like-minded, sympathetic, whether you actually love one another, whether you're compassionate and humble, if you actually repay evil with blessing, if you pursue peace, if you truly revere Christ as Lord in your heart, and if you speak with gentleness and respect and a clear conscience and good behavior. That's some of the things that are listed around us sharing the truth. So much more time was spent on those things around it than the method of sharing the truth. That's some tough stuff. So how do we work on that? Well, deepen your prayer life. You know, sit with God. How is he working on your heart, working in you? I often think uh, the hardest people to share our faith with and uh, to show an authentic faith with are our long-term family and friends because they know us. <laughs> they know all of our failings where we're not kind of living out the truth, where it hasn't actually changed us. Uh, it's, it's people that you meet occasionally it's really easy to put on a Jesus mask just in the moment and kind of share a little bit of a truth nugget for them. Because they don't, like, you can put on a little bit of gentleness for a little while. You can, you, we can put on that stuff. It's really hard to share with people who know us. The only way through this is to actually have an authentic walk with Jesus, for him to be actually working on your heart, to allow him to work on your heart. And that's where the stories of truth come from, when he's actually made a difference in your life. Uh, 
switching topic uh, a little bit then is um, you know a bit of a bit of other self work that you can do working on yourself is actually the art of rhetoric. Um, rhetoric is persuasive speech or writing, and the letters from the Apostle Paul are full of rhetoric. He was clearly highly trained as a rhetorician in the art of uh, ancient rhetoric. Now, ancient rhetoric might not be so useful for us today. Some of those techniques probably won't land too well in our setting, but there are language skills that we can learn. We can improve the art of communication to be more convincing. We don't need to be manipulative. We don't need to put on a show, but we also don't need to settle with unconvincing you know, and not communicating effectively. There are things that we can do that will improve um, how we communicate. So there are communication techniques that we can do, um, but we can also deal with our own doubts. You know, find those answers for yourself and find your own words. Like, how are you gonna answer on the resurrection? Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? You know, have, have you got something ready to go? Like, to, to actually say, Here's why I think Jesus actually rose from the dead. And be ready. And, and part of that might be listening to other people's responses. Listening around to how um, really smart people have thought about this or people in our setting. So maybe find some Melburnians because we can listen to people from the US who might have really great answers. But some of those, those words, the English language just doesn't work in the same way here in Melbourne. We might need to find our own uh, convincing ways to speak the truth. So deal with your own doubts, find your own words, um, and, and, and work through those things. People are surprisingly happy to talk about prayer, surprisingly happy to talk about Jesus, and um, so we can, we can fill our vocabulary with meaningful words. Uh, finally, become a student of others. To become a student of others is to practice empathy, to be asking and listening out for what other people think and feel, to be curious about their life and what they care about. Uh, I think Jesus had some very perceptive listening skills. Um, think of the, the woman at the well. You know, he had a, a supernatural insight there about her life but we can ask the Holy Spirit too. We can ask the Holy Spirit, show us what we need to know in this conversation uh, to care about and understand this other person. And being a student of other people uh, helps us cut out some of the Christianese too. Uh, by listening to how they talk and the words that they use and understanding their heart, uh, we can modify our language and uh, find meaningful words that are going to work not just for us, but are going to work uh, for them. Okay, I think that's, I think that's enough for today. Um, I, like, I, so I, I, I wrote a course on uh, this whole topic of sharing your faith, sharing truth in a meaningful way. Uh, I called it Christian fluency. So how do we be fluent in the Christian, in Christian language or meaningful language in a way that people hear and understand? If there's some people who are interested in sitting through this a bit more um, and actually running a bit of a course, let me know, see how much interest there is and I can um, put together a group 
uh, and we can go through this in more of a workshopping kind of way. Like, who are the people that you have in your life? How can we work on those conversations uh, and work on some language that's going to be uh, helpful for them? Because uh, there's so much around. There are, there are people in our lives who have questions. Uh, I, uh, my, one of my old bosses, uh, he was an atheist, uh, really pragmatic and uh, cynical kind of guy, uh, and he didn't want to have anything to do with faith. And, but one day he said he went to uh, the Olgas, uh, which is uh, next to Uluru. So Ez Rock, there's another rock formation that you can visit. And he was talking about how he went to visit uh, this other rock formation, and he said it gave him the heebie-jeebies. So they're, they're his words. He's an atheist, was nothing to do with spiritual matters, and yet he said it, the place gave him the heebie-jeebies. So there's an opportunity to talk about, okay, what's going on there? Now, I could kind of ram him with the truth, right? Or I could take the time, it, it's longer, it's slower, it takes trust, it takes vulnerability. You know, perhaps in that moment, the best thing for me to do is to not just, you know, tell him the truth, but to affirm what he felt, explore that a little bit, maybe share my own story of feeling the heebie-jeebies about something, so we've got a basis of trust there, and then to develop a conversation from that. So love, compassion, storytelling, imagination, creativity, vulnerability, honesty, curiosity, beauty, art, affection, concern, and care. These are all things that help communicate truth, but perhaps we don't think about them enough. So how do we communicate truth in postmodern fake news, you do you world? Well, dry, rational truth is only going to do so much. Defense mechanisms are activated. What we need are high levels of trust and trustworthiness. We need powerful stories that speak from our hearts to the hearts of others. And that's what God has done for us. God didn't give us a book of dry doctrine. He didn't give us a book of theories. He gave us not just a book, he gave us himself. He gave us himself. He made himself utterly vulnerable even to death on a cross. So how does God communicate truth? He demonstrates it. He illustrates it. And he speaks it. May we learn to do the same. Amen. I might give us a, a moment of uh, silence now, just to sit, reflect, think.